Welcome to Season 7 of Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, a fascinating journey into the lives of top sports personalities and their connections to Chicago. They reveal entertaining, memorable, and emotional stories many you've never heard before. I'm your host, George Hoffman, and please follow this podcast through our partnership with Sports Media Watch. You can find them and this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is proudly presented by Mr. Duct, Chicagoland's premier comprehensive air duct cleaning and ventilation for residential and commercial properties. They're upfront and honest. Find them on the web at mrduct.com. This week, we feature part two with Chicago Blackhawks great and Hall of Famer Chris Chelios. Well, I was a rank rat growing up. <laughs> That's what I was called, and it continued into when I, you know, college and junior college. I was always the first one there, last to leave, and I loved everything about it, and I never took one day for granted because I knew someday it would come to an end. So I just played as long as I could. I didn't, you know, I never lost my desire. I lost my opportunity, basically, which is going to happen when you play till you're 48. He played for three original six teams. He played in Stanley Cups with all of them, winning two with Detroit and one with Montreal. But Chris Chelios is perhaps best known for playing until he was 48. In part two of this memorable interview, Chelios remembers how he was traded from the Blackhawks to the Red Wings, his flourishing broadcast career, his family including Kaylee, who is now part of the Blackhawks telecast, and his desire to live life to the fullest. You were an all-star with the Blackhawks three times. You won two more Norris trophies, so many highlights. But there was a rather bizarre event, and I remember it, Chelly, like it was yesterday, only it was during the 1996 playoffs. So you injured your groin during the series against Colorado. The late Dr. Lewis Kolb gave you a shot of cortisone, and I'm going to let you take the story from here. Well, basically, obviously, if I wouldn't have got the shot, I couldn't have played. But unfortunately, you know, the trainer was there too. And when he injected it, I mean, my, uh, it was my groin, he actually did it in the wrong spot. And he gave me enough, you know, freezing or lidocaine to freeze an elephant's leg. So, <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, it, it hit the nerve. And when I went to, you know, take a stride, I jumped on the ice and it felt great. But when I went to jump on the ice and take a stride, when I, my leg got, you know, pushed out to the side, there was no feeling. Speaking of breaks, how about this shocker? After everything that has gone on, the speculation about what is wrong with Chris Chelios, he comes out of the locker room and is set to play in the overtime period. Or at least we assume he is. Now, maybe not. He's worked his way to discuss things with Craig Hartsburg. Obviously, it looks as if the groin will not hold up for Chris Chelios. It was like a charade. I would go out in between. You know, when the period ended, I'd come out for the, the warm-up skate and same thing. You know, and then sec after second period, same thing. After third, it did not. I rode the bike. I had to go in the hot tub to make the, you know, the adrenaline to make it you know, go away or spread out. And it didn't wear off, you know, until, you know, two hours after the game. So it was unfortunate um, that what happened. But he, he, just like I said, he was supposed to inject me in a different area, and I you know, was, I'd, I'd done it before in college. I just didn't remember. And it, it, I never took that much at one time. And I loved Louis Cole. He was a great guy. And it, it happens. Like, it just, you know, it just, he wanted to make sure I, I had enough to, to last the whole game. And, you know, it ended up going in double overtime. So it would have had I gotten the right spot. But it was just, it was bizarre that people thought I was going to play. And, 
the, the uh, chair when I went out there, and then I had to go back to the room, and it was embarrassing. It's amazing. I am visualizing it now. It's exactly that way, even in the press box. And the, you could hear the fans cheering, and everybody thought, oh, yeah, he's coming back. And no. And then the next period, the same thing. It Seriously, it does feel like it's yesterday because it was such a strange event. Yeah, hopeless. Just, just a help, helpless feeling, I should say, of not being able to overcome that or make it, you know, it was in there and it was in there to stay for a long time. That, that stuff that they put in and uh, yeah, just real bizarre. Never, not, nothing like that ever happened to me in my career. So then comes yet another trade. This is 1999 and this one was filled with controversy. You remembered it in your book, which was called made in America, how you wanted to stay with the Blackhawks. But in essence, the rug was pulled out from under you and you wound up with the rival Red Wings. The Red Wings embraced the trading deadline in acquiring some big ticket items for the stretch run. The Wings unveiled their new faces tonight at home against the Sabres. Two of those faces, Chris Chilios and Wendell Clark, in their new duds. Yeah, I mean, I wished at that time I would have been able to talk to Mr. Wirtz, Bill Wirtz at the time, because I think the message or the meetings I was having with Bob Pulford and Bob Murray, you know, when you get it secondhand, I don't think Mr. Wirtz was, get, you know, hearing what I was saying to them, it got, there was, it just gets, it was confusing. And I was really disappointed that I couldn't speak with Mr. Wirtz. It was never about money. Um, it was just about, you know, an extension, you know, to give, you know, show me something that they're committed to me and, and I'm in the plans. Um, and then they started doing things. I didn't want to, I never wanted to be embarrassed in front of my teammates and I wanted to be the same guy, you know, being the captain, it was tough. You can, you know, it's tough to be a leader when you're not out there in the battlefield. And then they started doing things off the ice. You know, you can't bring your kids to the dressing room. And, and I, that was directed you know, towards me because I loved having my sons there. Uh, just that, you know, then they stuck me at forward last few games with Probert and, and Simpson centering those guys. So the, the writing was on the wall. I wish they would have done it differently. Um, no one wanted to be the guy who said, you know, we're going to trade him or I asked to be traded. So I finally, it got to the point where I, you know, I asked to be traded. Um, never thought it was going to come to that, but it was just, you know, like I said, I was just, uh, you're, you're proud. You don't want to be embarrassed in front of your, your teammates, your fans. And, and, uh, it worked out for the best for everybody. I wish it would have been handled differently, but at the end of the day, Hawks got some draft picks. You know, they built a great team, obviously, you know, they suffered for about 10 years, not making the playoffs, but you know, what teams won three cups in the last decade, you know, that they, they, they did it right. They drafted all the right guys and Keith Seabrook, Crawford, Taze, Kane, and, and it worked out for everybody. I went on to win two cups, played a pretty significant role for at least the first, you know, seven years in Detroit. So no complaints and all was forgiven. I know the fans hated me. <laughs> that first game, <laughs> That first game back was a real rough one. Michael Jordan came to watch me and support me. And after the second period, Scotty Bowman, you know, comes up to me on the bench and says, look, you're, you're keeping the fans in the crowd. I want you to go up and sit with your buddy, Michael, and watch the third period from his suite. So that's what I did. And, um, it was, it, like I said, over the years, it got better, but it was real tough, you know, seven, eight years, you know, coming back to Chicago's in the summers and having to deal with people you know, restaurants, bars, and, and all that stuff, and then getting heckled when you're with your parents. It wasn't wasn't much fun, but now, 
you know, the, thank God I kept a great relationship with, you know, Mr. Wirtz, Bill Wirtz, Rocky Wirtz and, and John McDonough. And, they, you know, I always knew in my heart I was going to be back in Chicago and uh, it paid off because now I'm working with the Hawks and Savvy and, you know, it's great. My daughter is working with the Hawks. It's it couldn't it couldn't have ended better for me here and being back home. But those were really amazing years in Detroit. You mentioned Scotty Bowman, who was, you know, a Hall of Famer coach, Montreal, St. Louis, uh, Detroit. And yeah, it was really remarkable to see that suddenly you are with the rival team. But much more than that, remember you said at age 38, you were thinking you were going to retire. And yet here your career flourished for another seven years. Yeah, like no pressure whatsoever. Second unit power play, penalty killing with, you know, Nick Lidstrom, arguably one of the best defensemen ever. Um, and it was great. Scotty was amazing to me. I know there's stories about him earlier in his career, too. That, that You know, he talked to Larry Robinson and Bob Gain. Those guys, they couldn't stand him. He, you know, he, a lot of mind games. He did a lot of things. And, you know, I said to Larry, I said, Jesus, you won four cups with him. He says, well, we should have won eight. So I don't, you know, tell you for what that means. But um, he was great. You know, he couldn't get mad, Scotty. But I think, you know, with the, the, the team they put together when I was there, they then bringing in Brett Hall and Dominic Hasek and, you know, Luke Robitaille uh, and a couple other Hall of Fame guys. Uh, yeah, it was it was so enjoyable, you know, you, you, as opposed to, you know, my last year and a half with the Hawks, you know, it, for the first time in my career there, I, I wasn't looking forward to going to the rink. It was a horrible atmosphere and, you know, losing takes its toll on you. And, that, and you start – second guessing and, and questioning your, yourself. And when I got to, to Detroit, it was it was back like I was a rookie again. I got a, a, a second life. And remember, and remember, he was sick for a big part of the summer too. So, Chalios' shot scores! It may have been tipped in front, but Chris Chalios, the former Blackhawk, let it go! And the Red Wings, in the final seconds of the first period, they lead it two to nothing. It was a great fit, veteran team, you know, and, and older guys, Iserman, Shanahan, and, and, you know, guys like that. So it, it was, it was per Larry Murphy, another guy who extended his career. They, they literally booed him out of Toronto. And then he went on to win three cups, you know, with, with Detroit. So yeah, it's, it was, it was great. And the Illiches, there's no, no, no better owners than, you know, Mr. Illich, Mike Illich and Marion Illich, the whole family, you know, they, they Mr. Ellis just wanted to win, and it, it was great. You played hockey in the Olympics. Matter of fact, you became the first player, perhaps the only one, to play in Olympic Games 22 years apart. You played in the leagues where the NHL was on strike. You even played for the Chicago Wolves late in your career. It sounds to me, Chelly, like you had to be pried away from your skates. Well, I was a rank rat growing <laughs> up. That's, that's what I was called, and it continued into when I, you know, college and junior college I was always the first one there last to leave and I loved everything about it and I never took one day for granted because I knew someday it would come to an end so I just played as long as I could I didn't you know I never lost my desire I lost my opportunity basically which is going to happen when you play till you're 48 you know there's no hard feelings so uh yeah I mean I like I said that last year with the Wolves Don Levin uh, again, great owner of the Wolves. They've won, you know, so many championships over there. They've got a great thing over at Allstate Arena. You know, Wendell Young, Pat Nagel, how they treated me and my family, you know, my last year pro. Uh, you know, it was just like my first year pro. You know, looking up, seeing my parents out there, high-fiving everybody. And my, my son was playing just down the road in Bensonville for the Chicago Steel. So, 
it was like being a kid again. So I, you know, I, and I'd have played another year, but at that point I had a daughter, Kaylee was a senior in high school. I just felt for the first time, it was more important for me to be with her for her, you know, senior year and make up on lost time than it was to, you know, play 12 minutes a game for, you know, Atlanta or wherever else I would have had to sign. So um, really the first time it ever came to that. Cause my wife, you know, uh she she allowed it all like she raised those four kids drove them they all played hockey they all lacrosse so uh and I was very fortunate in that sense too because she never once you know told me I had to make a decision so that, that had a big part of it too when's the last time you had your air ducts cleaned here's the best solution Mr. Duct, a name Chicagoland has trusted for over 20 years. They work on your furnaces, air conditioners, and do repairs, maintenance, and installations. In other words, they're your all-around company for air quality choice and more. Mr. Duct provides on-site commercial ventilation cleaning estimates. You'd be hard-pressed to find better. So give them a call at 888-4-MR-DUCT. That's 888-497-3828. And Mr. Duct is the right choice to clean your residential dryer vents. They do a full inspection to make sure your dryers are running properly. Mr. Duct works with schools, health facilities, and office buildings to make sure you're breathing clean air. Their testimonials are endless and with good reason. So don't think twice when you're ready to work on air ducts, dry vents, and so much more. Just think Mr. Duct. 888 for Mr. Duct. That's 888 497 3828. And find them on the web at mrductcleaning.com. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Before we talk about your broadcasting career, I would be totally remiss if I didn't ask you about the massive changes that the Blackhawks have made. And basically, in the span of probably a year, there was the Kyle Beach saga, new management team, many players are gone, though Kane and Taves are still here. Pat Foley and Eddie Olchek left for Seattle, and my head is still spinning. This is unprecedented. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of goes back to when I got traded. It was just it was very similar situation, losing players, coaches uh, didn't have, you know, the salary cap issue, which is such a big thing right now, balancing that. And, you know, the capologist, the, that position, it, it's it's you know, I said it was so nice playing in a cap free league uh, where players could stay. You didn't lose players because of that. And. Quite honestly, it's not fair to a lot of teams that draft these guys and end up losing them at 27, 28 when you've invested all that time and scouting into these guys. But 
Um, and now, like you mentioned, it's, it's a big transition. I go up in the offices, it's all new people, you know, Pat Foley, an icon, you know, you're so used to hearing him. Meanwhile, Chelios is wrestling with Gilchrist. You'll remember Chelios roughed him up late in the game. And now here they go. Chelios got in a couple of right hands, switches to the left. Red Gilchrist got slapped around by Chelios at Chicago Stadium, tries to get some revenge here, and he's getting the short end of the battle. Chelios landing another the linesmen are occupied elsewhere but you know we we're so used to hearing lloyd pettit too so at yeah. some point it happened and, and this just that we just happened to be living in the changing of the guard here eddie you know who, who would have ever thought eddie was going to leave uh and, and now he's in seattle it's, it just shows you how quick things can change uh when you're not expecting it um you know the players it's you know, now everybody's waiting to see what's going to happen with caner and taze mm -hmm. and you know, shocked the heck out of me when they let go to Brinkett and Hagel. But, you know, I'm not so much in the hockey ops and it wouldn't be fair for me to even, you know, you know, give an opinion because I don't know what's going on behind those closed doors. I don't know what Kyle, David, their plans are, uh, you know, in the future here. I know, you know, assets, draft picks. I know everything plays into it. And, you know, it's not fair for me. I'm not spending those countless hours doing that and, you know, I would have loved to coach, but I played too long. So I, I missed that that 10 years window that I probably would have wanted to coach because it's, you know, the, it's the next best thing to playing. But, you know, like I said, more important to me to spend some time with my family and watch them do their stuff. So, uh, but we'll see, you know, you got to be thinking this went on in the, you know, 1999, they, they went on to not make the playoffs for 10 years, but look what they did the next, you know, 14 years. So, you know, let's see what happens in four, three, four years. You, you know, there should be a significant change in the, the level of their play. And, you know, you look at Detroit now with Steve Eiserman. He's there's no you can't question what he's done with Tampa and his success he's had. Uh, but now he's signing some veteran guys and knows he needs to make a move after his fourth year to be a, a team that's at least a, a playoff team. So, you know, time, only time's going to tell with the Hawks and, you know, these draft picks that they're, they've acquired, these high picks. Hopefully they pan out and we see the next generation and, and a, another, you know, era, what they did when they won that, you know, those cups, the three Stanley Cups. Did you really want to be a coach? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've had the chance, you know, a couple Olympics with Tony Granado, some world juniors. And there's a, there's a trick to it for sure, being a head coach, you know, quick decisions, line changes, matching. But, you know, as far as being an assistant coach, uh, running the D, the penalty killing, you know, man, I love it. And it's it, to me, it was so easy to, to teach these kids and watch them come along. I did it in Grand Rapids and we won the Calder Cup. Uh, I was lucky enough to be part time in Chicago, just home games and, and work with those guys. Blash Hill, you know, for the years I was there um, and I do really enjoy it. What I don't enjoy is the, the countless hours of I call it wasted video. I don't need to watch, you know, three hours of video. I, I could do what they do in, in 20 minutes and I, I keep it simple. So, um, and if you're not running the show, then you can't control how much time you're sitting in that office, you know, watching video. And I'm not built for that. Does it sound to me like you may not be a big fan of analytics? It depends what, you know, what you're talking about. There's certain areas uh, that I, I find that are, you know, important i bet there's some that are very misleading you know lost battles this you know especially if you're a defenseman because you're trying to get in position and be on the right side of the puck and you know i've sat up there with these kids that are doing the analytics and we're way off 
at the end of our scores of, you know, the stats. Um, so it, it just depends, you know, face off wins for sure. You know, that's it. That's, it is what it is. You know, the, the, you know, that, that stuff like that, the, 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 but the, you know, like I said, I, you still got to have a feel for the game. You know, there's still, there's still a big part of that, your gut feeling and, and, you know, you have to make adjustments and, I think the best coaches are the ones like a guy like Cooper and in and, and Tampa and other, you know, I love the guy. They're not afraid to change things and make adjustments. Mike Babcock was a perfect example of a guy who just as far as structure and accountability, know any better, but the other teams watching tapes too, and know what you do that your tendencies and he would never make adjustments. These great coaches. They make these adjustments just like Bill Belichick does, you know, like a, a terrific second half, coach and, and like a lot of those great coaches so um there's there's room for both that's for sure but analytics seem to have taken over and more and more teams are, are, are switching to that you know that type of system talk about your role as an analyst and let me tell you you're really good at it which is why i wonder you didn't try this years ago why did you decide in your late 50s to take a shot or did the hawks and espn come after you no nope, that was all my fault and i'm glad i did it but um i was actually calling when i found out espn i had worked with them before for one of the canada cups and world world cups so i called them on behalf of my daughter because she had graduated you know and from northwestern and in journalism wanted to get into sports broadcasting and she'd done four years with tampa so when i found out espn was going to pick up the nhl again i immediately called them and you know said listen you know just keep her on your radar she's really interested she'd love to to be part of that and all of a sudden the, the guy asked me what about you I said no no I'm I'm good I'm I'm really happy being an ambassador with the Blackhawks he goes well what if we make you an offer and I said sure you can make me an offer well they made a good offer and <laughs> you know it was part-time 45 games a year um and also they promised to work Kaylee into it so uh, the Blackhawks were unbelievably supportive, thought it was good for the Blackhawk brand, uh, you know, me representing the Blackhawks on ESPN. We got to worry about Wayne Gretzky down the road, but what about Alex Ovechkin here tonight? I mean, you're talking about a player that's done it every year since he started. He looks the same as he did as a rookie. He scores a goal, he celebrates like it was his first. Um, he's amazing, the ultimate power forward, obviously, along with the finesse and the strength. I'll never forget the first time I seen him warming up before a game just in his underwear and the size of him to be able to be that quick and fast. Uh, I've never seen anybody like him or play anybody like him against him in my life. The schedule's not very conflicting. You know, I do the Tuesday night games at ESPN. Most of our games are Sundays. And, you know, so I only missed about five or six games with the Blackhawks because of the ESPN thing. Um, I really enjoy it with Steve Levy, Mark Messier, Boucher and that crew, the, the, the producers. And it was a great first year. Uh, we couldn't have got luckier with the playoffs, you know, carrying the finals and, you know, two of the best teams ending up in the finals. So it was a great experience. And I can't say, you know, I wasn't uncomfortable in the beginning. I, I tip my hat to these guys. It's a lot of work. You got to do your homework. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, the fans just want to, See me, Mark Messier, you know, talk, tell our stories, you know, and, uh, you know, like I said, there's always room for improvement. And I expect, you know, it's a repetitive thing. And, and with experience, you get better and better at it. And hopefully this year, you know, I, I keep improving. And, and I really do enjoy it, though. And the travel, like I said, now that my kids are doing their own thing and on their own, it, it doesn't impede on any of their stuff for the most part.
I texted you, I remember, and I joked with you. I said, why does Steve Levy always go to Messier first? You're smarter and better looking. <laughs> uh, <you> got, <laughs> that's the kind of philosophical way about looking at things. And he's really, he's, he's, uh, he's intense. And I think we complement each other pretty well. But I think maybe because of the fact that Leaves is right next to him and he's the first guy he looks at, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I like I get my jabs in on both of them, and they I'm like the punching bag though for those two. So I mean, Mess got six cups. Levy's been doing it for I don't know how many thirty years, twenty five, thirty years. So again, we have a lot of fun on the air. Um, and Mess, he likes to elaborate on things. He, you know, he's he's very, <laughs> he's he's really he's got a very attitude that uh, I I don't I'm not a thinker like he is. He's a he thinks a lot more before he's going to say something I guess. no but you're 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 short and to the point and there's something to be said about that as well yeah and that's why i think it works you know again i you know i think from listening to people you know this summer uh getting just an opinion on what they thought of me and mess and how we did and the, the biggest thing is that people want to hear from us more you know they, they don't feel like they give us enough time um and you look at tnt and gretzky and that group of guys there's five guys on there but you know they don't do the uh on ice uh, interviews in between periods they don't a pregame they they'd rather give that you know two three minutes to to the players or to gretzky or bissonette or you know wh whoever else is on there talk it so yeah i mean and i think you know the producers at espn they realize that now uh because we do connect with that that older you know generation and you know, even though the younger generation hasn't seen us play, I, I think still it's a good part of the whole transition. And and now, you know, ESPN and we're going to get better and better for sure as a as a, as a TV station too. Well, um, part of it, part of its personality, you know that you you watch TNT and the NBA, and you see Charles Barkley, who's you know nobody can emulate Charles Barkley, but it is all about personality, and you and Messier and Steve Levy exude that. Yeah, and I I just look at TNT. You, you hit the nail on the head. Barkley, he got he's got free reign to say what he wants. He can get away with anything. That Bissonette, uh, as much as I think he's a little over the top, um, sometimes he's you know he's been almost let go a couple times for things he said, but he helps Gretzky a lot. I think he takes a lot of pressure off of Gretz by you know by you know just lightening things up on the on the up at the you know the desk and. Um, I think we just handle it. Our producers, the management and directors, they're a little more professional ESPN. They always have been like, we've got to wear ties and they, they, that it's Disney, right? So it's, it's just a little different. So I think we appeal to the real serious fans. And like I said, TNT, you know, it's a lot of laughs and, and sometimes like hilarious, mm. but for the, the true hockey fans, I think they, they respect the, you know, the sincerity and the seriousness of what we do. If you want to hear more great guests on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, all you have to do is go to Sports Media Watch on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the many interviews we've done dating back to January of 2021. We return with Chris Chelios on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. I want to talk about your family because there's plenty of hockey there from your sons to your daughter, Kaylee, who is a, a very important figure now in the Blackhawks telecast. Yeah, I mean, God, she she works hard. 
you know, I, I don't put in near the time she does. She takes it, you know, and that's probably her education at Northwestern, how they prepared her for this business. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's great to see her on TV and, you know, she keeps me involved. She actually helps me a lot more than she thinks. Um, we're constantly talking about hockey. She's got me by, you know, I love playing hockey. Wasn't a big fan of watching it on TV. Uh, it doesn't do it any justice. I love watching it live. And that makes it even better when the, the broadcasters can explain and, and simplify things for the TV viewers. And Kaylee, she does that. It's the play right here by Kurishev that allows this puck to stay in the zone and Taylor Radish will ultimately get the goal. But great play along the boards, keeps it alive, holds the blue line. This line of Radish, Domi, and Kurish have had some pretty good shifts tonight. And, you know, everybody loves her. She's like, you know, like I said, she's like one of the guys. She played hockey her whole life. She's been around it. You know, her brothers, you know, basically forced her into it along with her sisters. So, um, and she's lucky enough the Blackhawks have given her that chance. She's raising two kids right now, young kids, and plans to have more. So, it's tough, you know, the long hours, long driving in from Barrington. But she manages and, and, and she loves it. You seem to be everywhere these days, whether it's Wrigley Field, the south side of Bulls or a Bears game. You have some very interesting friends in the movie and uh, uh, music industry. It seems to me like you're leading a charmed life. <laughs> well, my but my good friend Eddie Vedder told me you can't march in every parade, but I sure try to. So you do. Yeah, and for the Bears opener, I started tailgating at nine in the morning and <laughs> went to the game. Didn't get a drop of rain on me because I left after the first half, and I didn't want to miss anything. So we were heading out on a, at the airport. We drove to the airport, watched the second half, and then flew out to to New York to see a Pearl Jam concert at Madison Square Garden. So I cram, I, I drive my wife crazy because I don't, my old man was the same way. I don't want to miss a thing. And I figure I'm 60, 70 just around the corner. At some point, I'm not going to be able to be doing this stuff. So while I can, you know, I make the most of it. And I, I love sports, I love music. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's what makes life go around, like the, and meeting all these people and and it's just part of the perks of being a professional athlete. And as long as I played, I got to know a lot of guys. And as much as I don't like playing golf, I love watching it. So there's, there's no, I'll do anything, you know, I did, I, whether it's you know snowboarding or, you know, surfing like this, <laughs> I'm trying to stay as active as I can until I, I can't anymore. So is there anyone that you haven't met that you'd like to? Yep. Number one would be Clint Eastwood. Yeah, how do you not like Clint Eastwood? It's never going to be a Clint Eastwood again that could replace the Westerns and the, you know, the Dirty Harrys. And he just, you read his life story. He just seems like a just a normal, no-nonsense guy, but very talented and, you know, like very educated, whether it was self-education, but he just seems to have common sense. And, you know, I had a chance to meet him in Detroit and when he was shooting Grand Torino. He was in the hotel bar. You looking at old man? Never knows how you come across somebody once in a while you, you shouldn't have messed with. That's me. Are you crazy, man? Get out of here, man. Get off my lawn. You better watch your back. And I just basically choked. I didn't, you know, didn't even, I should have walked up to him and just introduced myself, but hopefully someday, you know, get a chance to say hi to him anyway. I really admire him over the years. And yeah, he got to be one of my top, you know, top guys, actors, well, anyway. Number one. I ask this final question to all my guests. 
If not for hockey, what would you have been? Oh, I would own a restaurant like every other Greek. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the rest of my life. No, I, no, honestly, like I, my parents from day one were all they cared about was me getting a college education because uh, no, you know, no, no one in our family, my, you know, meaning my uncles or anybody, had ever. They're all, you know, born in Greece, so that was for sure. Had I not made it in hockey when I was out in San Diego, I was going after a business degree. Where that would have led me, I don't know. But I, I my mind was made up that I was going to get a, a, a business degree and then take it from there. So who knows what would have happened uh, had I not made it. But, but for sure, I would have been one thing was, I, and I still wish I could have done it. But by the time it was too late and I, I was, you know, way too far behind i don't i don't think like getting it online is the same as experience you know four years of college you can get your degree um so that made no sense to me to go back and try and do that at that point you know too late let me tell you what an absolutely entertaining interview this has been and then some and i'm not surprised after a 28-year career in the nhl it wouldn't surprise me if you have a nice lengthy run as an analyst Thank you, Chelly, Chris Chelios, for telling me a story. I don't know. Uh, you bet. Thank you. A big thank you to ESPN, Red Wings TV, NBC Chicago, and Time Warner Company for those wonderful highlights. And my thanks, as always, to the people behind the scenes that help make this wonderful podcast possible. TJ Rees for putting us on the map, Will Hatzel for his crafty editing, and Nick Tochi for our wonderful graphics. And to our presenting sponsor, Mr. Duct. You can find them on the web at mrduct.com. Tune in next week when we feature another intriguing guest on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. I'm George Hoffman, and that's all she wrote.